What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning into the show. Since the 50th episode I dropped about a few weeks ago with Damon, I've been enjoying the sunny and pleasant weather up in Bellevue in Seattle, Washington. But I wanted to make sure, even though I don't have some of my podcast equipment, to share this episode I did with uh, my guest today, also a few weeks ago. In March 2020, I attended Mind Valley Live in LA where I met my guest today, whose name is Nima. She's become a good friend with similar passions in bringing mindfulness techniques to children and at the time this podcast is out, she's currently testing out her new product, Mindful Champs, geared to help children between the ages of 6 to 11 discover their inner world and express themselves creatively. I think this is coming out right at the perfect time as I've been developing an in-person slash online mindfulness and performance program intended for middle school, high school, and college student athletes and all students and their parents. I created a questionnaire to understand the preferred methods and structures of learning from the student athletes and their parents themselves, as well as what their biggest challenges are. If you'd like to check it out or can share it with a friend, I have links to them to the questionnaire on my Instagram page, King underscore Solomon 8, and on my Facebook profile, Solomon Ezra Brisson. As you'll heal, as you'll hear Nima, as you'll hear her talk about today, <laughs> Nima earned her education in psychology before beginning to teach and find out that she loves helping children. I hope this episode brings some inspiration in how different puzzle pieces or activities we enjoy doing will begin to come together. You can check out more about Nima on her Instagram page, by Nima. That's by and then a period, Nima, N-I-M-A, or her websites, bynema.com, and the new Mindful Champs website, mindfulchamps.com. Enjoy. Congratulations on turning 30. Thank it was you. an awesome video. Very Thank well you. made as well. Thank you. It's actually a very, very amateur video my friend took of me. <laughs> but it worked. So, um, no, I think that's, um, it's definitely a milestone in people's lives that they um, get very, you know, fearful of because there's so many expectations that you have to have reached certain milestones at this point in your life. Like, you know, are you married or have you had kids or have you, especially in the culture that I come from, it's very, like marriage and having kids is a really big thing, especially by hitting a certain age. So that was definitely something that I was definitely fearful of. And um, I think a lot, a lot of people, um, a lot of things, career milestones, whatever it might be, there's a lot of um, fear that they haven't reached it by a certain age. And for some reason, age is such a big thing that they, you know, that's where that boundary kind of lies of like, why have I not hit it by this age? Or what I need to hit this by that a certain age. So I think um, 30 is just a big one that I know a lot of people always um, fear turning. Are you happy with all that you've done and accomplished and become? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that there's definitely a lot more still that I want to do, but I think I'm definitely a lot more accepting of, um, you know, things didn't always go smooth sailing because there was definitely things that happened in my life. But I think the way I view them now, my mindset's changed tremendously because um, it's more that I see those, those, traumatic events that happened in my life rather than seeing them as setbacks I actually see them more as um, um, learning curves and actually those learning curves are what made me are what made me grow are what made me go more into my personal development because they were so difficult to deal with at the time Um, yeah so I think 
there was a time I definitely saw them as setbacks, but it was about going through those, um, um, you know, changing the mindset a lot. And, and I think now, actually, I can even look back and say I'm actually grateful for a lot of those setbacks. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And it's, it's like you don't want to necessarily go through them, but at the same time, they just add so much more texture to the things that, you know, flow nice and easily. And part, it's part and parcel as to why I named the show Ebb and Flow. Mm. Because, you know, I love that, that flow state that I, that I would get into playing athletics, but I believe we can live our life in that way. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then with that, like when you're in that true state of flow, those ebb moments, hence the ebb and flow, like you just mentioned, really only launch you much more forward and you become grateful for them. They add the texture, they add the sustenance, mm. you know, what the life really is. Yeah, and I think it's also about um, not resisting those moments of change, allowing, exactly like you said, allowing yourself to flow in those moments because, right. like, yeah, those are the moments that you really learn about yourself, you learn about people, you learn about your own growth, and I think, yeah, 100%, I agree with that. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit uh, more background about yourself. I, we had such a wonderful interaction when we met at Mind Valley Live, which was a lot yeah. of fun. And, you know, we spoke a lot about then during um, Vision's talk and um, when you went to listen to, um, I, the name just slipped. Um, what was her name? Dr. Shafali. Dr. Shafali. Yeah. Who I came in at the end, still kind of bitter about why I didn't go with you. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I've read your blog. I love your Instagram page and the different videos that you, you put out and the wonderful quotes that you share. Thank you. Um, but you mentioned that you're also a teacher. And yeah. uh, could, you, could you walk us through? I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit more about your background. So um, in terms of teaching, actually, it's something that I fell into. Um, I've um, completed a degree in psychology um, it's something that I've always been intrigued with people's minds. I've been intrigued with my own mind, you know, what makes people tick. Um, I've always had, um, when somebody's asked me when I was younger, like, what do you want to do with your life? I never actually knew. I just knew in some shape or form, I want to help people. Now, um, I think in terms of teaching, um, my, my mum actually has um, day nurseries. So she has nurseries for little children. And when I finished university, um, it was really difficult to get a job in psychology um, <clears throat> because I wanted to go into counselling psychology. And um, I was actually turned away from a lot of internships because I looked quite young. And, um, you know, there's this whole, um, I guess, stereotype that when you're a psychologist, you're going to have a counsellor in front of you who's, you know, a lot older to you, that they've got a lot of wisdom on them, that they can actually, you know, support you through like marriage or whatever it might be because of their own experiences. Um, but because I looked quite young, I was actually turned away from quite a few internships and it really, really got me down because at that time I was so, you know, dead set on becoming a psychologist. I wanted to become a counsellor. I wanted to help. And then, um, so when I came back, um, home. I moved back from university and I actually started working with my mum in her nursery schools and this was literally a temporary little glitch that I had and I thought you know what I need to keep busy in this time so I'm gonna go and help mum and um, I really really started to um, 
enjoy working alongside children and it was something that I thought you know what I actually really love um, you know seeing children in their own element and there was so much to learn from them as well um, even as adults so um, through that whole year I kind of ended up deciding that I wanted to go into teaching again something that I completely fell into and when I did become a teacher um, I absolutely loved it I loved the interactions with the children I loved teaching it was just an amazing um, thing that I did during that time. And it was definitely a time that really got me out of my comfort zone as well. Um, so yeah, that was that at that time. And then anyway, I ended up leaving teaching purely because there was a lot that didn't sit right with me in terms of, I started to notice that in terms of the curriculum, I felt like we were putting children in a tick box. And um, the reason that wasn't sitting right with me, because I don't believe we can um, judge any child on their ability to not do a certain thing just because they're not academic. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are a teacher in the UK, there is a certain curriculum that you have to go by. And there's a lot of, um, as a teacher, there's a lot of tick boxing, basically activities that you need to do in order to get children to a certain level. And if you don't, you know, um, you're kind of looked down as a teacher, you're, you're rated as a teacher. So this whole cycle was kind of going on for about a couple of years. And then um, it made me realize that there were generally a lot of gaps in the curriculum. I started to feel that there wasn't enough teaching about children, for children and their own confidence. There wasn't that much teaching on self-love. There wasn't enough teaching about what happens when you, um, you know, go through something in your life as a child that you've got, um, you know, these really big emotions that you need to deal with, but you don't know how to. They're not really taught in school. What what age what age were so you? I was I was actually a primary school teacher, so this was between the ages of five and eleven. Okay. And there wasn't enough emphasis, um, I felt, on just general, I'd say, more personal traits that a ch ch child would need to build in terms of actually taking that those traits on into adulthood like confidence resilience emotional well-being so again i was noticing those gaps and um as a result i actually ended up i continued teaching i continued doing locum shifts and i actually started to work in um mom's nursery so i moved back home and worked there again and recently i've actually started my own venture and i'm actually bringing my two passions together so it's working with children and i'm actually bringing the mindfulness side into it so i'm actually starting my own brand called mindful champs and i guess this is where my passion comes into it because as much as i love teaching i felt there were so many gaps um with within the curriculum itself and so the brand that I'm building now, it's kind of filling those gaps where I felt, you know, they were really necessary for children to really be learning those specific life lessons for them to take on throughout their whole lives. So it's going to be things like such as gratitude journals and, um, you know, um, mindfulness exercises for children that are so, so important to learn as a child. So you can take them into your adulthood. Um, and it's certain things that I'm learning about myself right now that I wish I was taught as a child. So I'm not having to unlearn all the conditioning that I was taught as a child because mm. it's so much more difficult when you're, you know, when you reach a certain age because you're so conditioned. 
What kind so of that's uh, my whole journey that I've kind of been going through so far? Yeah, it's cool, and it's it's. Thanks for kind of sharing the different puzzle pieces and how they're mm. starting to um, match together. It's cool in the in the latest venture. I'm curious, oh, yeah. like how how you're going to. Are you thinking of doing like an online thing and then eventually bringing it to in the in the schools? I would love to bring them in schools, yeah, later down the line. I think the first thing um, that I'm doing, I'm actually writing a book as well right now for children. And the book is all about self-love. Um, so children loving themselves. Similar the age, age, five to 11. Yeah, so the age will be from um, toddlers to about five years. So this is gonna be more early years. And um, yeah, so in terms of Mindful Champs, the brand that I'm creating, it's more about creating products for children which I will then sell for them to be using more on a home basis with parents that they're going to be doing these activities um, at home. But yeah, no, definitely, um, you know, rolling them out into schools and making them hopefully part of the curriculum that it actually becomes a lot more embedded within the curriculum to actually do these certain things literally on a weekly basis. Because I think right now um, it's not done enough. For sure. How would you start with a young child? What kind of, like you mentioned a little bit of the gratitude journaling. Yeah. Uh, you know, the incentive in a sense to get a, to help a child learn something that maybe they don't realize is so, or will be so um, helpful. How would you kind of, what kind of um, pra early on practices would you help to build that confidence or resiliency when they won't really and maybe the older kids on that side, like the towards 11 and the uh, teenage years, but the younger ones, they won't necessarily know what hmm. they're doing. So I think with, um, so something, for example, in terms of the gratitude journal, it's um, going to be for the slightly older children. Um, not again, not too old, because I think when, as a child, they're, minds are very much like a sponge they can you know grasp these ideas a lot faster um because there hasn't been as much conditioning done you know um throughout their whole life and it's about getting those um cultivating those mindsets and those ways of thinking early on so it becomes normal so for example, gratitude is a way, like a way of life type of thing, actually. So it's a mindset that you actually are instilling within the child. So, you know, there'll be things like, you know, what, what can I be thankful for today? And it will literally be honing on to the littlest things of, you know, what um, can you be thankful for today that maybe um, your friend shared a toy with you, or maybe you had a new teacher who you really loved. So there'll be really, really small concepts of gratitude but it's about embedding that mindset from such an early age that you know when they do come into adulthood of course you'll know that there are going to be um, moments in your life that aren't always perfect and um, there will be things that you'll hit with in life that you have to deal with um, but it's about getting that mindset so embedded from an early age that when they do come across these you know events that they're not that happy with um, and they probably can't always be grateful for um, they actually see the little things that they still have in life even amongst all these yeah. um, you know painful things that might be happening in their life so I think once you've kind of had it from an early age it's a lot more easier when you're an adult to really regress back to that gratitude mindset for sure 
to be able to, in a sense, like helping them really discover who they are as an individual, rather just if they have a question, yeah. going to get the answer from someone else. Yeah. Well, as um, would you start teaching different kind of, um, you know, spiritual principles or how the world works? Yeah. So it would literally be through. I think it, when it, when it, when it comes to children it's not, you're not going to be teaching them all of these really big, yeah. you know, philosophical, spiritual um, concepts, but it's going to be more of a case of starting small. So really looking at stories. Yeah, and curiosity on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cause I think it's when you've, when you've been exposed to it from an early age and I was definitely exposed to it. I'd never understood it, but I was exposed to it because my mom has always been into mindfulness and spirituality. So I, you know, I used to go along to these courses and these workshops with her, with Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer. I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> but I think it was the exposure. Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, it always kind of had that little seed that was planted in my mind, I, and, and I think it led me to use those seeds that I had planted from a young age as tools that I'd then go back to when something did happen in my life that I wasn't able to kind of, you know, emotionally cope with, or it was difficult or it was painful. Um, it was the, it's the exposure that I think it does a lot more than you think, because as a child, like I said, you, your mind is a sponge. You're so observant. You, you are so curious. So um, if you do have that exposure from a young age, it's, it's an amazing tool to fall back on. 100% and you, and you, and you learn, what your real identity is or the truest part. Because I'd like to bring that towards to, to athletes and, and the realm of like different sports. Yeah. Because I, in a sense, used to identify with the sport, but then, you know, you have your confidence and who you are, but then you don't even, you didn't, you don't realize that it was connected to what you're doing until you realize, yeah. you know, like the things you're, you would love to foster in these children at an early age. So it's yeah. really cool. So on your on your blog, you have kind of a different uh, different things from you have a nice one that received great um, um, reviews and such as the creating boundaries. You even have the in style one. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of different things going on. I think I'm I'm definitely more um, going towards the mindfulness blogs. I think that's something that I'm just a lot more passionate about, and um, I guess it's. A lot of the blogs that I do are from my own personal experiences that I want to share. Um, there was a beautiful thing that, um, uh, it was Lisa Nichols actually, she said during the Mind Valley event, um, she said that um, your story doesn't belong to you. And if you've got the opportunity to help people through your story, even if that to kind of, you know, just give a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel that they might be going through something similar or, you know, um, maybe your story could help them just have that little bit of light that they need to get through a certain moment or challenging time. And I think one thing that I definitely found was um, it's very uncomfortable sometimes to talk about your own personal experiences because it's personal, it's private, it exposes you, your emotions, and it can make you be, you know, feel very vulnerable. But at the same time, it's such a gift that you can actually give to another person. So I think um, a lot of the blogs that I've done have actually had, you know, 
really, really lovely reviews. And I've had people telling me how much my blog has helped them. And I think that's definitely been motivating because um, sometimes I do wonder whether it's helping anybody or not. But I think when I get these lovely messages, um, yeah, it, it definitely makes you realize how much your personal story can be of such light to somebody else. In the, in the creating boundaries one, what kind of, what really are boundaries? There's different type of boundaries and you speak about setting with different kind of people to, you know, really one, enhance your own kind of personal growth. And then although towards the other person, it might seem like it, it's actually giving them space to grow on their own because sometimes we will reach out or get too close to somebody or rely on someone else. Mm -hmm. could, you, could you touch and explain a little bit more about boundaries? I'm interested in, you know, how you setting more of them, what exactly are they and um, saying no. Yeah, sure. Um, I think in terms of boundaries, so it's more kind of limits that you have for yourself in terms of, you know, um, your personal space, emotionally, emotional limits that you have with a person or a situation or, physical boundaries or spiritual boundaries, mental boundaries. I think boundaries, there can be so many different types of boundaries that you have in your life. And it's about setting those limits for yourself of what you are willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept within those boundaries, within those kind of, I guess, that fence that you have around yourself. Um, and it's really, really, um, the reason I feel like it's very important to set boundaries in your life because it really, allows you to um first of all live a life that you are very considerate of your own well-being because you know you are putting yourself first but in putting yourself first and actually having your own well-being and emotional well-being intact you're able to be supportive to another person as well mm -hmm. because i think there's a very common misconception that boundaries are selfish and you know we set boundaries we're not supporting anybody else and we can't help anybody else if we've said no to somebody but I think a lovely quote that I always refer back to is boundaries are the space at which you can love yourself and another person simultaneously because there is a very 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 fine line between actually being selfish but also there's a that there's self-respect and there's also self-love as well mm -hmm. um and i think people get that fine line quite mixed up and um if you don't set your own boundaries i think that's when people start setting them for you and that's when people start making their own boundaries of how you want to be treated because you've not really expressed how you want to be treated and i think as soon as people start setting boundaries for you that's when things start to get really messy because you start to get resentful you start to feel uncomfortable in situations where you should have really said no but just to kind of um you know keep other people happy or you know adhere to those people pleasing behaviors because maybe there's a little bit of lack of own self-love there that you know you start to put yourself second and in putting yourself second resentment 100 percent it'll build over time how would you define like one example of a boundary? Because I feel like I've learned to do that. I just never, or not never, but haven't perhaps defined it just yet. Because okay. it sounds like a boundary would be like, you know, you're uh, invited to do something. 
um, that's not out of your comfort zone, but it's it doesn't it, it's not part of your values. So you you say no, or you you don't, or you limit the time that you're around a specific person because they although they're close they may be more focused on negative kind of things mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly yeah i was actually going to use that example um i think so one example of setting a boundary would be say for example you are an empath which i'm definitely an empath so i do tend to kind of um you know when somebody's feeling down or feeling emotional i definitely take that energy on quite quickly and it's about actually knowing where you have your own limits so you know if somebody is really you know leaning on you for support or emotional support especially when you know when they're kind of giving that um when you're an empath and you kind of do take that energy on um it's about knowing your own limits so when to kind of say okay you know what this is a little bit too much for me now i need to take a little bit of a step back and i can come back to you with this or rather than kind of getting yourself to a point that you're so drained around this energy that they are obviously exhibiting yeah. because they need your support they need your help but also knowing where you are with all of this as well how how are you feeling with this person literally you know pretty much leaning on you emotionally how do you feel about it where where are you with it do you need a break or can you, you know can you be in this space for any longer so i think it's really about setting your own boundaries and that's not about saying that i'm not there for you but it's about saying that i can't be there for you right now because you know this is taking a toll on me as well yeah. so in order for me to be able to be there for you i need to be um in a place where i'm you know a lot more emotionally together that helps it sounds more like in a in a helping kind of relationship more so than just like when somebody you know talks about something that creates you you, you know it might be an uncomfortable subject because that could be also a sign for you as an individual to okay here's another place i need to build more resiliency and why is this triggering me but when yeah. it comes into like a helpful, when you're helping another person, you know, get out of the ditch, you know, metaphorically speaking, you can't go in the ditch because you'll get dragged down, not by him, but just yeah. circumstances. Yeah. So, so it's about also just it. knowing where you're at emotionally, I guess, to kind of be able to support somebody, you need to be in a very, um, you know, elevated place yourself, I think. But again, boundaries will relate to so many different things. For example, you might be in a relationship with somebody and they might, I don't know, constantly be talking about an ex-partner and you're uncomfortable with it, but you sit there and continue to listen, but you are genuinely very uncomfortable with it. So it's about expressing the fact that, and it's also about expressing it in a very respectful way. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to shout, you don't have to raise your voice, but it's about expressing the fact that this is uncomfortable for you. And, you know, you're setting your boundary about where your limits are with that. So boundaries can be within pretty much anything in your life, any area of your life, yeah. not even just necessarily helping other people, but, you know, boundaries can be in a workplace. Are you taking on too much for your workload that actually doesn't, you know, it's not in your um, job spec that you're actually, are you, are you doing it to, um, 
but there's actually a certain reason or are you just kind of doing it but not getting any because um, somebody hey just thinks you have more time and can yeah yeah so i think boundaries can be set in any area of your life um but it just it's um emotional boundaries especially i think especially in relationships friendships um that they they do come quite strong because that's when you really start to they're highlighted a lot mm -hmm. How do you ensure that the other uh, person, whether it's a relationship or um, in a job, doesn't um, take offense to it? I mean, that would come into the communication of it, but... Uh... Yeah, so um, this is definitely something that I've had to um, really practice because I think when it comes to people being able to um, handle your boundary, and regulate their own emotions. That's actually quite difficult, especially when you are in a relationship with somebody, you obviously care about their emotions and how they're feeling and you don't want them to be upset. So it's very easy to kind of not set a boundary because you want to be the person that kind of, you know, makes them feel good. Or So sometimes setting a boundary can be extremely uncomfortable. And it's really about getting real with yourself that everybody has to be able to regulate their own emotions so you can't always be the helper and mm -hmm. if you do always become the helper then your boundaries aren't going to be set so it, i think for me it's been a case of trusting that when i set my boundary it might definitely be uncomfortable for me and the other person but it's about giving that person the space to actually process that boundary understand why i'm setting the boundary it's not from a selfish place yeah. And also being able to regulate their emotions a little bit because they're, they're an adult. You have to trust that they will be able to understand where you're coming from. And if they don't understand where you're coming from, then, you know, there's, there's going to be work that they need to do on themselves. Mm -hmm. so maybe, they're, maybe they're uncomfortable with boundary setting because they don't set boundaries themselves. So they're, they're you know, they're, they're not even, they don't understand the whole concept themselves. That's why when somebody sets a boundary with them, it's not comfortable because they, they don't know how to set boundaries themselves. So it's a learning curve for everybody, really, I think. I, I think I can relate or understand it the best in like a relationship setting. Perhaps oh. in my relationships in the past, I <laughs> could have set more boundaries. Yeah. I think relationships is definitely a big arena. I think it helps a lot. How would, how would you kind of um, start a process of, of looking at a different area, a certain area in your life? And be like, hmm, I'd like to create a, a, a boundary in yourself here. How would you then start to build that up? What questions would you ask yourself? And So I think when it comes to boundary setting, a lot of it is actually tuning into your own feelings. Mm -hmm. I think knowing yourself, because if you don't have a good understanding of your own feelings, you know, where your limits are, um, how are you able to set a boundary if you don't know your own limits, if you don't know your own feelings, if you don't have time for yourself to reflect on how certain things make you feel or, you know, in certain situations, why do you feel uncomfortable? What is, what is it? So, you know, there, there's a lot of self-reflection that also needs to be done before you are able to set boundaries. So yeah. you're not actually, because the thing is, there's, there's a really big difference between having a guard and a wall up okay, and yeah. not letting people in. There's a big difference, yeah, because not letting people in is not healthy because that's not a boundary. That's more of a wall that you actually built to not let people in because you're scared of getting hurt, your fear. You know, there's a different place. A boundary is a healthy 
limit of what you can and can't accept. That's because, and that is because you do know yourself better. Okay, I think I can, yeah, I was just thinking about that because sometimes you you need or want the uncomfortable place so you can begin to grow. That mm, yeah. Because if somebody's, you know, tr saying something that triggers me, it's not, it's not them or the thing they're saying that's the problem because I'm the one that holds that button in, in a sense exactly. that they're pushing. So I yeah. want to, you know, as somebody who wants to develop and become a better version of myself, I want to investigate where that button, why is that button there in the first place? And so, yeah, so, and so yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. Uh, it's so much different than putting up a wall. Oh, yeah. 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 A, wall, a, a wall is literally where you're, I refuse to get her. I refuse <laughs> to look inward. I refuse to, you know, look at anything apart from anything that hurts me. Basically, I'm not letting in. Cool. And yeah, that's completely different from a boundary. So I think that it's so important to notice the difference with what you're doing. Are you setting a boundary or are you putting up a wall? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that would be a place to set a boundary as well. Like just so yeah. doing that process to, to set a boundary in a sense of time to then begin to self-reflect and on another kind of thing that perhaps you set up a, a wall. Yeah. Cool. Well, Nima, it's been a pleasure. I'd love, to, I'd love to connect some more and thank you for sharing all that you've been doing with us and the work you've been doing with the kids and how things are uh, piecing together. Yeah. I hope we stay in contact and see how of our puzzles can continue to um, come together. It's going to be really cool. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me as well. How can people uh, <laughs> check up and read on, read more about your blogs and check you out on Instagram and the videos that you put on? Yeah. My um, Instagram name is by Nima. So that's B-Y-N-I-M-A. And um, all my blog posts and everything are on there. And my website is www.bynima.com. So I'm slowly building um, blogs on there as well. But I'm actually doing more in terms of posts on my Instagram page because I've just found them more interactive. Okay. Um, so those so, are kind of where blo more blogs are as well? Yeah, like yeah. Things. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely finding that people... Um, as opposed to kind of reading long, lengthy blogs, the captions on images and that kind of blogging is definitely more um, interactive for people to actually like, you know, yeah, connect with. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am. But to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more.